the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. You see, you have the church worldwide, which is all Christians everywhere, but in every place you have what some call a visible church or a particular church. They make up the family of God. As Romans says, they become children of God, and if children, then heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. They have been called out, selected, adopted. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end. Your love is my battle cry. For all my life Every giant will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed by each and every one of you for choosing to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith delivers another message from his sermon series entitled, Rethinking Church. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. And how should I regard that church? By way of application, understand that the church doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus. You belong to it. It doesn't belong to you because you belong to him. And secondly, respond accordingly. Maybe it's time to rethink church and your devotion to it. If you are not devoted to the church, then you are not. You are not devoted to Christ. Third, also, since it's not your church, give up any hope of making it relevant to the culture, of adapting to the latest fad. We don't have that right. It's not our church. We don't get to do that stuff. And on the happier, other hand side, remember this, that the life or death of a church, the life or death of the Christian church, does not depend on you. So there's no need to tinker with it or his message. And so relax and enjoy your relationship to church. Tough times are going to come. Persecution will come as long as we are faithful. But remember this, he doesn't need you to make his church survive. But he wants you involved in that process, and we'll see that in a moment 
when we understand just what the church is. He says, I will build my church. And that brings us to the next question. Question number two. So, just what is the church? I mean, church, what's in that word? It is a loaded word. This word only shows up twice in the Gospels, Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. The English word comes from a peculiar choice of words that Jesus used when he's talking in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. Jesus could have used the usual word for an assembly of worshipers. Synagogue, from the Greek synagogue, it's like a word like synergy, where people come together. But he chose ecclesia. What? Ecclesia. Ecclesia comes from two other words. Ek, it's a preposition meaning out of or from. And kaleo, which is a verb, which means to call. It essentially means the called out ones. The called out ones. These called out ones are those raised up for a particular time in a particular place for a particular purpose to constitute and make up his particular church. You see, you have the church worldwide, which is all Christians everywhere, but in every place you have what some call a visible church or a particular church. They make up the family of God. As Romans says, they become children of God, and if children, then heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. They have been called out, selected, adopted. Adoption. God has raised you up for such a time as this. I know Pastor John O talked about this last Sunday. Jesus said right to his disciples, I chose you, you did not choose me. John chapter 6. What is the church? Well, you find a ton of metaphors in the New Testament for church. And all of them depict an intimacy, an interdependence, an interwovenness, an indivisibility. There's the bride of Christ. You see that throughout in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 and 31 to 32. I'll just hit through this quickly. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish therefore a man shall leave his father and mother be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh this mystery is profound But I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Speaks to an indivisible relationship and a special intimacy that we have with each other and with Christ. For some of you, your own flesh and blood isn't as close to you as your church family. We as the church are individuals that Christ died for, collectively joined to him, connected with him as a husband is with a wife, honoring him and respecting him the Christ, the anointed one. Verse 32, look again. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. Paul also speaks to this marital kind of betrothal relationship in 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3. Paul writes, I feel a divine jealousy for you. 
since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. And I'm afraid that just as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. I mean, the church at Corinth was a basket case, right? I mean, they weren't baptizing dogs and cats, but they were messed up. Now, often the church is seen as an organization or a building or, or something that belongs to us like personal property. Or we see the church as something we can take or leave, like a club we can join. Or a place where we can impose our will through parliamentary procedure. One of the blessings for me here over the last six years has been our business meetings. There are church business meetings that look like the Battle of Bull Run during the Civil War or Gettysburg, but not so here, and that's a blessing. Sometimes we see ourselves as independent of the church, sort of like free agents rather than interdependent. But we are like a family or a married couple. We are the bride of Christ, and Revelations 19, 6 through 9 talks a great deal about that, but in the interest of time, I'm going to move on. So let's stop and rethink. By way of application, ask yourselves these questions. Do you see the church as a family where each member supports the other or is accountable to one another like a married couple, supporting one another, or the bride of Christ, or maybe even like a body that we're part of, interconnected parts of something larger and greater than us, part of a greater whole? Or secondly, do you see the church as an organization? Or maybe you see it as an organism, a living thing. Maybe you see it as a club, non-essential, an afterthought, something that you can maybe accommodate in your busy, busy schedule. If you do see it that way, repent, you know. And if you love the church because you love Christ, then enjoy her with all of her wondrous works all of her warts and scars, and all of her people to whom you're related by blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. Speaking of health clubs and schedules and things like that, we come to our third question, our final question. Is the church a Christian country club? Is the church some kind of Christian club to which we belong? I worked in the resort industry for over two decades. And during that time, I had the occasion to be involved in the operation of two country clubs. I managed one. And one was an equity club in Boca Raton, Florida, where the ownership owned the club with an undivided interest in real estate. They owned the tennis courts, the four golf courses, the restaurants. Pretty much, they owned the asset. The staff worked for the membership as their employees who were managed by a club manager. And sometimes the members acted like they owned the staff and the club manager. They would often make their their demands known, spoken sometimes unkindly, or or maybe they bullied the staff. Uh, Sometimes they tried to bully the managers. The other type of country club is a fee-based club. You have some around here. I've seen some of the golf courses around here. People pay dues, and they can still be demanding but they didn't own the club. It's kind of like those health club memberships everybody signs up for in January and then tries to abandon in March, right? These are dues-based clubs. 
but members don't own the club and members come and go whenever they feel like it. Sometimes they stop paying their dues. The way most people in, in America, anyway, attend churches or feel about the church. Many people view the church as usually one of two kinds of these cl- country clubs. They see the church as an organization rather than an organism, a living thing made up of loving and connected interdependent people, the called out ones. They, they fail to see that. Called out ones raised up for such a time as this. Having an inseparable, indivisible relationship like a husband and wife. Being bound together in an inseparable interdependent way, kind of like sometimes conjoined twins. Parts of one larger body, which brings us to the body metaphor for the church. The church I already referred to as the body of Christ. You see that throughout the New Testament. Paul talks about this at some length in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 26. And let's take a look at that passage and unpack it here. For just as the church is one body and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Or you could say, if somebody says, because I am not a teacher... I will not hand out bulletins on Sunday. I do not belong to the body. It's something like that. Or because I was not offered the role I wanted, um, I'm not going to serve. But this doesn't make you any less part of the body, no matter how selfish you act. Verse 16. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would that leave the sense of hearing? the whole body were an ear, where would that be for the sense of smell? But as it is, but as it is, the reality is God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he has chose. As he chose. Chose how? Providence. Sovereignty and providence. When you come to a church family, The needs that are available are the needs that you need to fill. Your other special gifts may be applied later. Verse 20, but as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That there may be no division in the body. And this is glorious here in verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's a body. That's the body of Christ. That's the church. The big idea is this. The body, the church, doesn't belong to you. You belong to it. Again, it's not an organization like a club. On the contrary, it's an organism with parts, great and small, that through their interconnectedness contribute to the greater good, bring glory to God and good to others and growth to themselves. Why? Because as Paul laid it out in verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one as he chose. 
Each body part, each called out one has been assigned a role, raised up according to God's purposes in this place, in this town, right here and right now, as he chose. And if that goes against your preferences, if the role that you want isn't open, it doesn't mean, it doesn't make you any part of the less, any less a part of the body. You are the body of Christ, and the eye cannot say to the hand or to the larger body, that's it, I have no need of you, hasta la vista, sayonara. And neither can you, not without sin or disobedience anyway. You belong to Christ, and so you belong to his church. The church doesn't belong to you, and Christ doesn't belong to you. You are his. He purchased you out of the, agora, the, 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 the slave market of sin. And sometimes we need to reevaluate our devotion to the church. We need to rethink church, at least our perception of church. We need to reevaluate how we see others. We cannot think of ourselves as club members. Why? Because we are slaves. You know, you have the, that terminology, you know, doulos in the New Testament, bondservant, slave. Slave. When you think of yourself as a slave, you know that anything that happens to you in this life as you serve Christ is better than you deserve. My illness is better than I deserve. If I were one-eyed, one-eared, one-armed, one-legged man and born again, I got better than I deserve. And so as servants, we need to submit to him. We need to see ourselves as we are. Here's a better picture of it in Luke 17, 7 through 10. And when you read this, it really goes against the grain. It really cuts to the quick. It really, in some cases, irritates Luke 17, 7 through 10, Jesus talking about his disciples, about his servants, about his slaves. Luke 17, 7 through 10. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and recline at the table? Verse 8. Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me, and dress properly, and serve me while I eat or drink. And afterward, you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because of what he did as he did as what was commanded? So also you, Jesus is talking to his disciples here, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. But have we? But have we? You are a body part, a called out one, an ekkaleo, ekklesia. You were raised up to serve God and others for such a time as this. You may have ideas about where you fit in, The question is, will you go and serve where you're needed? Maybe you're a great teacher or leader, but we need somebody to set up coffee and take it down. We need somebody to pick up trash. Maybe a leadership position will be open one day, but not now. Are you willing to serve wherever, are you willing to go wherever Christ would send you through his providence and sovereignty? Belonging 
to a church, this church, the church is a high, high calling. Whatever role you fill is a called out one. It's a high, high calling. So what do you do with this? Well, number one, you rejoice in your high calling no matter how lowly it seems at the moment. 1 Corinthians 12, 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. The roles that seem inconsequential are of great consequence. And secondly, learn not to think of yourself more highly than you should. See yourself as a slave. If you do that, you can't be offended. See yourself as a slave, not the smartest guy in the room. And if you think you are, then repent, because you're not the smartest person in the room. There's always somebody smarter. And if you see yourself as more spiritual than somebody else, even somebody in a role above your own, then repent, even if it's true. Learn to regard others above yourselves. So to review, whose church is it anyway? It's Jesus' church. It belongs to him, and we don't get to tamper with it because it does not belong to us. We are at best stewards. He'll build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It will endure because he will see to it. Rejoice in the fact that the survival of the church is up to him and not you. And rejoice, I mean rejoice. Feel the pressure come off of you that he doesn't need you, but he wants you. He wants you. Question two, just what is the church? It's not an organization. It's not, it's, it, it's a living thing. It's a family. It's the bride of Christ that you have been, it's the family of God that you have been adopted into. You've been called out of this world with all of its brokenness, out of this darkness into God's marvelous light. You are called out one that he has raised up. You personally, with all of your foibles and gifts and abilities and disabilities for such a time as this. Number three, Is the church a country club, a Christian club? No, it's not. It's something greater. It is a body. And you are part of this body. Whether you're a hand or a foot or an eye or a brain or whatever it is, you are part of this body. You are here on purpose. You are interconnected. There are people to your left and to your right and in front of you and behind you who are closer than maybe your own family. And when one suffers, all suffer. And when one rejoices, all rejoice. And that is a beautiful and incredible thing because we all look different. We come in all shapes and sizes, all, all ethnicities, all colors, All physiques, as I always like to say, some of you have kept your fine figure and added so much to it over the years. But this is the church. This is who you are. Remember that. And as we chart the next chapter in this this church's life, as we chart that course together, dwell, think on these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that Christ is the owner, that he will build the church, that we are his called out ones. Selected, Father, 
for such a time as this, chosen as, as it were by God to fulfill the Great Commission around the world and here in San Jose and within this building. Lord, we thank you for this high calling. We thank you for this privilege afforded to lowly slaves such as us. Master, we praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.